It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Happy New Year and welcome to the show. Are you the sort of person to make New Year resolutions? I've got a recurring one that I hope will pan out, and that would be to finally cash a check for any amount in a bass tournament this year. I'll be fishing three tournaments in Washington State with my best friend, and I also plan on being a co-angler, fishing a Wild West Bass Trail tournament on the Columbia River bordering Washington and Oregon this summer. I suspect I will learn quite a bit during that three-day event in August. I'm looking forward to it. What else am I doing this coming year? Well, I'll be heading back to Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska again this summer with my fishing buddy Rusty Johnston, and I can't wait to give him his first taste of Alaska fishing. Another place I'll be fishing at is the Dalles in north central Oregon in late May or early June with plans to catch a whole bunch of shad and man oh man what a run they have on the columbia river last year there were over six million shad that came upstream and when those fish are in i'll tell you what the fishing and the catching is fast and furious as for what i do with those fish i don't eat them but i sure do use them for crab bait and they work great for that and then there's my every other year camping trip to fort casey state park i always time this for late august in the odd years when the pink salmon come in close to shore on whidbey island and i'll be casting for them in the evening hours as the sun sets for several days and doing some crabbing as well because you can pick up a few red rock crab that are keepers here throw in the fact that the park is home of a old coastal artillery fort and lighthouse it's a pretty cool place to be and then there's the sportsman shows. I will be exhibiting at the Washington Sportsman Show in Puyallup again this year. The dates are different this time around, February 1st through the 5th. And then I'll be heading to Portland, Oregon for the second biggest sportsman show in the nation, the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show, going on from February 11th through the 15th. And yes, we'll be doing some sponsored giveaways at both shows. So if you are listening in the Pacific Northwest, I hope you'll drop by my booth. By the way, you can find out more about both of these shows at thesportshows.com. Speaking of sportsman shows, the National Wild Turkey Federation is hosting one from February 16th through the 18th in Nashville, Tennessee, as well as having their annual convention and celebrating their 50th anniversary to boot. Pete Miller with NWTF will tell us all about this. And if you are a turkey hunter in any way, shape, or form, this is an event I think you'll want to go to and an organization you'll want to join. We'll also get a chance to chat with Bo Martonic today. He's the man behind the East Meets West Hunt podcast, along with several short films he has produced. And Bo will be at the Great American Outdoor Show next month in Harrisburg, PA, which is the biggest show in the entire nation. Not only will we talk to Bo about this, but we'll also talk to him about his Mountain Buck Scouting School he is putting on at a really cool lodge in Pennsylvania. And if you want to up your game when it comes to deer hunting, especially back east, this looks to be a very good investment indeed. Sticking with hunting, we'll also get a chance to chat with Brad 
Brad Fitzpatrick. He just wrote a great article for Peterson's Hunting about the five best long-range shooting hunts in North America. Brad will talk a bit about the evolution of long-range shooting over the last few decades, share some of his favorite calibers, and tell you about each of these hunts he highlights in his article. Before we talk to these three great guests, though, it's time again for... Fishing and hunting reports from around the nation. We'll start off with wind farms. Climate change activists are big on promoting wind farms as an alternative to coal, oil, and other forms of energy, saying they are good for the environment. But the fact of the matter is, wind farms also do their fair share of harm as well. We've reported in the past about how deadly the rotating blades of the wind power turbines are to raptors like hawks and protected species like bald and golden eagles, something the mainstream media seldom shares. And now we learn they are likely going to cause harm to fish species too. From Yahoo Finance of all places, we learn U.S. government scientists warned federal regulators the South Fork offshore wind farm near the Rhode Island coast threaten the southern New England cod, a species so ingrained in regional lore that a wooden carving of it hangs in the Massachusetts State House. The Interior Department? Well, they approved the project anyway. The warnings were delivered weeks before Interior's Bureau of Ocean Energy Management authorized the 12-turbine South Fork plan in November of 2021. And they serve to underscore the potential ecological consequences and environmental trade-off of a coming offshore wind boom along the U.S. East Coast. President Joe Biden wants the U.S. to deploy 30 gigawatts of offshore wind by the end of the decade. Concerns about South Fork, the 132-megawatt project being developed by Orsted AS and Eversource Energy, focused on its overlap with Cox Ledge. This is a major spawning ground for cod and sensitive ecological area that provides valuable habitat for a number of federally managed fish species, a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Assistant Regional Administrator said in an October 2021 letter to Interior Department officials. Based on in-house expertise and peer-reviewed science, the agency said this project has a high risk of population-level impacts on southern New England Atlantic cod. I'll tell you what, our current administration is all about going green, but it seems they're doing so at the expense of fish and wildlife, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And now it's time for one of my favorite segments. It's record fish time. This week, we're going to tell you about another smallmouth bass record out of the gem state of Idaho. Martin Koenig with the Idaho Department of Fish and Game reports, Joey Walton went fishing on Dvorak Reservoir in central Idaho on December 30th. It was a cold December day with rain down low and snow in the mountains. Joey had been looking for a record fish for months and already caught several smallmouths this past season just shy of the current record. He knew he was in for a challenge on that cold December day, but his hard work finally paid off when he connected with the fish he was looking for. Now in Idaho, they have both catch and keep and catch and release records, and this one was a catch and release record. So after using a measuring board to verify an accurate length and getting some quick photos, Joey released a 23 and three-quarter inch giant smallmouth back into the frigid waters of the reservoir and took home a new catch-and-release state record. 
Koenig says his past year may be remembered as one of the best for Dvorak Reservoir, having produced a string of impressive smallmouth bass to include two catch-and-release records in 22, and this reservoir also produced the catch-and-keep record fish as well. The reason the bass are so big here is because of the abundant number of small kokanee salmon found in this lake the bass feed on. Koenig says if conditions remain consistent, there could be another record coming. As for the catch-and-keep record, that would be a 9.72-pound smallmouth bass caught in 2006 by Dan Steiger that also measured 23.75 inches. Congratulations, Joey. You toughed it out. You took home the big one. And that's not the only record fish we're going to tell you about today. Can you imagine going fishing and catching not one but two state record fish in one day. That's exactly what happened in Florida. From the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, we learn one lucky angler did indeed catch two state record fish during a very special day on the water last year. When Matthew Merovich set out fishing on August 26, he didn't know he would be catching two record-breaking fish. He was setting out from Sarasota on a flat, calm day with clear skies, and it was the perfect day for catching fish, and they were biting. With these ideal conditions, Merovich was able to land a new state record red porgy and a new state record blue line tile fish. Both fish were unexpected catches for Merovich. He said, I thought I had a queen snapper when I pulled up the biggest red porgy I'd ever seen. He continued, the bluefish tilefish felt like a grouper. We were grouper fishing, and I was using the slow-pitched jig and thought maybe a good-sized scamp grouper or a yellow edge was on the other end. Tilefish is one of my favorites to eat, so it was really exciting to see a nice blue line come to the surface. Merovich's red porgy weighed in at 5.56 pounds, beating the previous record of 4.8 pounds set in 2019, and the blue line tilefish weighed in at 10.55 pounds, beating out the previous record, which was only 5.4 pounds set last year. Impressive work, Matthew Merovich. I would sure like to go fishing with you sometime. Stick around. We've got more of the great outdoors coming your way on America Outdoors Radio. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Campers, adventure seekers, hunters, and foodies. No matter the lifestyle, we can all agree on one thing. Great food and great people are worth remembering. At Camp Chef, we don't just make grills. We create each product knowing that a warm meal is always better when it's shared with those we love. Learn more about Camp Chef grills, smokers, and portable cooking equipment at CampChef.com. That's CampChef.com for a better way to cook outdoors. 
Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. It is a new year, and it is also the year that we are celebrating the 50th birthday for the National Wild Turkey Federation. With us here to tell you about some of the lofty goals that NWTF has for this year, as well as their annual convention and sports show, is Pete Mueller. He is the public relations manager for the Federation. Pete, happy new year and happy 50th anniversary for the NWTF. Thank you much, John. Appreciate you having me on. And, you know, I will say 50 is huge, and it would not be possible without all the dedicated volunteers, members, the founding fathers of the organization, all the partners. It it takes a lot to help a conservation organization like the NWTF get to 50 years. And we're not done yet. We've got a lot still left to go. I noticed that on the press release. Now, most organizations just making it to 50, let alone individuals, you're kind of happy about that. You toot your own horn. But the Federation has some very lofty goals for the year ahead. Why don't you tell our listeners about them? Absolutely. So, you know, we we do want to spend time reflecting on the past, but also this is a big year, and so we've set some pretty lofty goals. The first one is recruit 75,000 new adult members, and really the the idea behind that is to get to 250,000 adult members. And with the increase in that, the amount of work that we're able to do is just incredible. You know, and there's a lot of turkey hunters that aren't members of the NWTF. We also want to raise an additional half a million dollars for wild turkey research. We have invested a lot of money in research uh, over the years. In fact, we were actually founded as a research organization. We want to positively impact 1 million acres Um, just in this year alone. That would break every record that we've ever set for conservation work. We want to dedicate $1 million to education and outreach programs, obviously because having people continue to get introduced into the outdoors or even just educating them on the benefits of it, that goes a long way in trying to help preserve this, this lifestyle for years to come. We want to raise $5 million to modernize our IT infrastructure and invest in people, that staff, volunteers. We just want to make it easier for our people to carry out the mission. And, you know, being a more modern, forward-thinking organization can help with that. And then we also want to raise $5 million towards a $50 million endowment. And that just makes it easier for us to withstand, you know, something like a future pandemic. I mean, we all went through it, and luckily we came out on the uh, positive side and are still able to celebrate 50 years. Well, very ambitious indeed, but I have no doubt you're going to be able to pull it off. And, you know, we've got to talk about the fact that I think turkey populations and turkey hunting has probably been one of the great success stories of the last 40 years all over most of North America. Absolutely. I I mean, looking at even just when the NWTF was founded in 73 and, you know, 1.2, 1.3 million birds across the country. Now there's more than 6 million. You know, there are some areas that still need work, though, and that's why we're, we're, we're investing more heavily in research. But we're still knowing that you can do the research, but if you're also not doing the work to improve the habitat where these birds live, 
then you're you're not really doing enough. So that's why we we have that twofold push of trying to help figure out what's going on with the birds and also making sure that they've got good habitat to raise their broods, nest, and continue to thrive. Well, we need to talk about a really big event where you're not only going to be celebrating this 50th anniversary, but doing some of the work you just described, too. It is your annual convention and sports show. It's taking place in Nashville, Tennessee, February 15th through the 19th. And let's start off with the convention. What's going to happen there? Uh, convention, honestly, is is just a giant gathering of the entire family flock in the NWTF. It's a chance for us to celebrate, in this case, 50 years of success, but also lay the groundwork leading into spring turkey season and in our most heavy event season, lay the groundwork and that excitement for the year to come. And again, just celebrate all that, that has been made possible and all that we could still do together as an entire flock. But we have recognition of our top volunteers, top people in the conservation field, uh, recognition of our chapters, recognition of partners. We also celebrate you know, our nation's uh, veterans during our Saturday breakfast. But that's part of what happens at the convention. There's also auctions and raffles and just chances to, to walk away with, with great things, uh, trips, you know, unique NWTF 50th anniversary items, all while supporting a great cause and a great mission. And then you have the sports show portion, which takes place the 16th to the 18th. So that's Thursday to Saturday. And that's our sports show on the floor. That's where you can see more than 450 vendors, the hottest outdoor brands showing off their new hunting items right before the kickoff of turkey season. I mean, we're, we're right there in February. First turkey season is, you know, early March in Florida. So we're right before people are heading back to the field and enjoying their favorite pastime. 450 exhibitors. That's a pretty darn big sports show there. That's going to take a while to get through. You know, it does. I will say that we've been fortunate enough to be doing this for a number of years and be in the same spot. We're always there in the Gaylord Opryland, so we've laid things out that make it fairly easy to traverse. Obviously, Saturday is one of our peak days where it can be a little bit tougher to get through the aisles just because there's so many people there. But 450 exhibitors occupying, I mean, some of these people have four and five booth spaces all connected. So you're, you're talking about a massive sports show that does have anything out there for the outdoor enthusiast. I mean, you have your turkey hunting gear because we're just an outdoor sports show. You will find duck and goose calls. You'll find outfitters for everything all across, you know, the eastern seaboard all the way out to your western mountain hunts. You'll find home good type things, jewelry. I mean, the the, the list goes on. So it's it's really something that people should get out there for. Actually, we used to have something called the Family Adventure Village, and it was a spot set aside just for kids, but it made it difficult for the families to go see the sports show because you can't just leave your kids there. You know, it wasn't really a, a playground uh, type atmosphere or somewhere like a daycare where you could drop your kids <laughs> off. This year, we've integrated all those booths into the sports show as a part of what we're calling our family adventure trail. And they have the opportunity to go through the sports show floor with their family, stop at these booths, earn badges, and then potentially get something on the back end if they complete all the tasks along the way. So a way to make it interactive for everybody. And again, this is a huge family event. We love it. People come to this event year after year, almost as a vacation and a chance to see family and friends that they don't see but once every year. So it's a, it's a really neat event. We're, we're happy to host it again this year, celebrating 50 years. Something you see at a lot of sports shows. Are you going to have seminars with experts about turkey hunting? We do have some seminars set up. Yes, uh, we're still getting the list together on that. But I do know that we have seminars on trapping. We have seminars on turkey historians or turkey authors, turkey hunting authors. And then there will be other ones to come. I also believe the hunting public will be there for a seminar. Now, this being Nashville, there's got to be some country music involved at this venue. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
this is an opportunity to catch live music at Wednesday evening's event in the pub district of the hotel. There will also be live entertainment in our watering hole. Some of the booths on the floor have live country music coming from their booths as well, but you can't be in Nashville without hearing live country music. Sounds like a great excuse to go to Nashville, Tennessee. Again, the convention, 15th through the 19th, the sports show, 16th through the 18th. And what's the venue again? This is at the Gaylord Opryland Resort and Convention Center. Everything happens all under one roof. I'm not sure if you can still get hotel rooms there, but it is a place that for the event, we do run shuttles back and forth to the parking lot to help get you uh, onto the floor quicker. But come on out and join us for this this event. If you need more information, you can visit nwtf.org and follow the prompts for the convention. whole lot going on this year for the National Wild Turkey Federation. Again, help them celebrate at their convention at the sports show and help them reach some of the great goals they have, too. It's a great organization doing great things. The website, again, nwtf.org. That's nwtf.org. Pete, thanks for sharing all of this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks for having me, John. You have yourself a wonderful, happy new year. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. And if you want an easy resolution that you can actually keep this year, resolve to have a sharp knife on you at all times, whether it's a pocket knife, whether it's a fillet knife, whether it's a knife you're using for hunting to skin an animal, or whether it's kitchen cutlery at home. WorkSharp makes knife sharpeners, both electric and non-electric, that will keep every one of your knives and a lot of your tools sharp as well you can check out the lineup of everything they have at worksharptools.com that's the website worksharptools.com or just look for their products at quality sporting goods stores near you why book at sportsman's cove lodge why is Alaska like no other place on Earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Brad Fitzpatrick on the line. He just wrote a really good article for Peterson's Hunting about the five best long-range big game hunts in North America, and we're going to share those hunts with you. Brad, Happy New Year. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year to you as well. So let's start off with the premise of this. We're not talking about just hunts in North America for big game, but specifically long-range big game hunts. And this is something that's really come on as a sought-after passion for a lot of folks in recent years because rifle marksmanship has really changed in the last few years because we've been able to make uh, rifles a lot better, haven't we? We have, we have, and off the spectrum, all of the components that we're using are better than they were 30, 40 years ago. From barrels 
to the cartridge design themselves, to the optics. And I think there are a lot more hunters who are shooting long range, learning how to do it correctly, and really extending that maximum effective range, shooting farther and shooting more accurately at a distance. You know, it's funny, way back in the day when I was in the Army and the infantry, we had our marksmanship course, and, you know, you qualified at ranges from 50 to 300 yards. And 300 yards, I think, for most folks back in the 80s and before that, was about as far as you'd shoot for a deer or an elk or anything else. But now, I mean, we're going out to like 1,000 yards with the rifles we have today. Some people are. And, you know, I want to point out, I think that you and I both understand, and I think it's important to explain to people that we're talking about maximum effective range here. Maximum effective range is a variable. It's not a fixed number. It depends on you. It depends on your skill. It depends on your, your weapon. It depends on your training, the environment, all those things. But that being said, yes, we are extending effective hunting ranges much further than we have in the past. So let's talk about some of these hunts and some of these animals that, yes, sometimes you can get close to, but a lot of times you can't. We'll start off with the pronghorn. That is certainly a tough animal to sneak up on. It is. It's, it's a classic western big game animal, and they are extraordinarily hard to hunt. And on my first pronghorn hunt, I remember we had, we had spotted some pronghorn. We climbed up on a ridge, popped our heads over, and, and we, we had never hunted pronghorn before, and they were immediately on the run. And it was just amazing that at, at four or 500 yards, these animals could just see us pop just the tops of our heads over the ridge, and they were gone. And when a, when a pronghorn's gone, it's gone. Oh, yeah. You're very right about that. So being able to have that maximum effective range and being able to really reach out beyond 400 yards, that makes a lot of sense. Another animal, a lot of folks can get close to these, but it can also be tough. The elk, especially the Rocky Mountain elk. Well, you know, elk hunting varies so much in terrain and habitat and things like that. You can be in northern Idaho and you can be hunting dense conifer forests and a 444 Marlin is a, is a great elk rifle because your shots aren't going to be over 100 yards. But so much of today's hunting is big canyons, big country, and even in the east too. People don't really appreciate the eastern elk herds that we have now, like in Kentucky. They don't appreciate how far a shot you might have to take in a place like Kentucky. We think that long-range hunting is reserved for the West. But on these big canyons, these big mountain faces, you may have to take a long shot, especially if you have a limited amount of time to hunt, which I think we all have too limited amount of time to hunt. And you may not have three or four weeks to try to work in for a closer shot. So you may get one opportunity, and it might be across a canyon, and you have to, to deal with all the factors of you know wind and obviously bullet drop, things like that, and, and getting a rest. But uh, yeah, elk can definitely be a long-range proposition. The next one that you mentioned, the gray ghost, the coos deer. You find them in yeah. the southwest. You find them in northern Mexico. And I have heard that these are incredibly difficult deer to hunt. Well, most people have a hard time picking one big game animal that's their favorite to hunt. Mine is unquestionably the coos deer. I love hunting coos deer. I've hunted them in, in Mexico, and it is definitely a game of optics. This is not a, a game that you want to play unless you have really good optics on your rifle and a spotting scope, obviously. It boils down to hours and hours and hours of picking apart brush, but you, you get to hunt these animals in some beautiful country. And coos deer are extraordinarily skittish. I've, I've hunted eastern whitetail my whole life, and I find that coos deer, there's very little room for error with a coos deer. But the opportunity to, to sneak up on a big buck, to get within range, and we're talking a longer range than most people are used to shooting for eastern deer, three, four, five hundred yards, and get a shot is so rewarding that I just, I love hunting coos deer. But it is definitely, definitely a long-range proposition in most cases. 
Speaking of deer, whitetail deer is not mentioned in your article yep. for the best long-range hunts because I think a, a lot of folks know they get pretty close to those bucks. But mule deer, those can definitely yep. be hard to get close to, especially out west. Yes, and we know now a big mule deer is one of the hardest trophies in North America to get. Prices are high, tags are few. Finding a really big mule deer, if that's your goal, you need to be prepared to get shot at any distance that's presented to you as long as it's ethical. This is not a hunt from 50 years ago. You know, my relatives from 50 years ago could go out with a lever action and hunt around, and, and there were more mule deer bucks, more places to hunt, and they were getting shots at big bucks at closer range. Today, an opportunity to big mule deer buck is a, is a relatively rare thing, and they live in tough country. Mule deer, they don't always live in tough country, but for the most part, where you find big bucks, you find them in big open, steep country where they can be very hard to hunt. Speaking of hard to hunt, or I should say hard to draw a tag for is your final one, sheep, bighorn sheep in particular. A lot of states, it's a a once-in-a-lifetime draw to draw a bighorn sheep tag. Yeah. Well, if there's an animal that epitomizes the need to get one shot and make it count, it's, it's sheep because... You talk to sheep hunters, typically they're not seeing a whole lot of sheep every day. You're climbing to elevation, you're climbing in really tough conditions sometimes, not always, but a lot of times, especially if you're hunting stone sheep or doll sheep or something like that, you're in very rough terrain, high altitude. You probably didn't sleep on a very comfortable mattress the night before, and you may get one opportunity at this animal, and you have to make it count, and you don't want to mess up a once-in-a-lifetime hunt because a once-in-a-lifetime hunt boils down to a once-in-a-lifetime shot. That could be a, a difficult shot, and you really, really need to prepare. A lot of people know that they need to prepare physically for a sheep hunt, but they don't understand that your marksmanship needs to be really, really good, and you need to really understand your rifle and your load and be prepared because years of waiting for a tag, months and months of training, all this is going to boil down to one shot, and you really need to make that count. Last question for you. Favored calibers for long-range hunting for these animals? Well, it's a difficult question because I think there are a lot of good answers. You know, depending on the species, there are many appropriate calibers. For coos deer, I like sixes, even the 25s. 25-06 is an is a excellent and underrated long-range cartridge. And then you move up into the elk. I think the 6.5s are, are a natural minimum moving up. In, and then, of course, the 300s. But as far as my personal favorites, I really like what's happened to cartridge design in the last few years. And we're seeing a lot more cartridges designed specifically for high BC bullets. And every hunter is going to have an advantage with a high BC bullet, whether you're hunting long range or not. And that is a high BC bullet is going to be less impacted by wind drift and it's going to retain velocity. So let's say you've got a long shot on a sheep, and you are hunting with a high ballistic coefficient bullet. If you misjudge distance, if your rangefinder hits something that's not quite at the target, it's 50 yards off, let's say, a high BC bullet is going to be more forgiving, typically, all other things being equal, because it's going to retain velocity better because it has less drag. So it might not drop as much. The other big one is wind drift. We, you know, we talk a lot about elevation, knowing your dope and knowing how to dial your rifle and things like that. But the really tricky component of this is, is wind drift, judging wind drift. And when you get to three, four, five hundred yards, 
Windrift becomes substantial. So I like high BC bullets. I like the modern cartridges. The 6mm Creedmoor and 6.5 Creedmoor are two of my favorites. I really like the 6.5 PRC. The new uh, 6.8 Western is an excellent cartridge. The 28 Nautilus has been very popular recently. The recently unveiled 7mm PRC is superb. But most of the cartridges that we use today, modern cartridges, work well. The 280 Remington will work well. 270 Winchester will, will work well. They don't typically they aren't typically loaded with as high BC bullets, and they wouldn't be my first choice on a long range hunt, but on an extreme long range hunt. But for most hunting situations, they work fine. But there's also an important component here that we need to talk about, and that's bullet selection. We're gonna have to leave that discussion for another time because we are out of time. So, all right. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our listeners this week, folks. If you want to check out this article, just go to Peterson's Hunting and learn more about hunting the five best long-range big-game species in North America. Brad, thank you so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you, John. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. We've been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska for a while now. They're truly Alaska's best lodge. Wildlife is abundant from bears and deer to eagles and whales. And let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing, halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting goods stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Bo Martonic on the line. You've probably heard him here before. He is the host of East Meets West Hunt. It's a great podcast about eastern deer and elk hunters who like to go out west for some of their hunting, too. Bo, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too, John. It's good to get to talk to you again. It's been a few months since the last time we chatted, I believe. It has been. 
I want to talk a little bit more about you and your podcast because you started off with this podcast, very popular one, but you've expanded your offerings. You offer more than a podcast on your website now, don't you? Yeah, I've expanded from the podcast to doing video tutorials and video podcasts and everything to be able to to help people plan with my original goal is helping people from the East Coast and the Midwest plan these adventure style hunts out West. They've really taken it to another level with focusing a lot on the Appalachian whitetail side of things and where, you know, if you don't have the money or the time to go out West and you want to find some adventure style hunts close to home, that you can do that within the Appalachian Mountain region and the East Coast with with hunting mountain whitetails, bears, turkeys, all those different things. And so I've really tried to focus on putting out information and showing what opportunities are available to be able to do that closer to home, as well as some of these dream adventure style hunts. Sportsman show season is coming up. I understand you are going to be at the big show in Harrisburg. Are you going to be giving some seminars there or have a booth or what? So I'll be helping out with uh, Maven Optics booth uh, the first weekend at the show, and then I'll be hanging out, kind of doing a meet and greet thing with folks over at Go Wild, the hunting social media app, on the first Monday of the show there. So I'll be kind of just bouncing around through that first weekend and the beginning of the, the first week there. It's the Great American Outdoors Show. It is put on by the National Rifle Association. It is the world's largest outdoor show. It's taking place February 4th through the 12th in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and you can find out more about that at greatamericanoutdoorshow.org. Bo, I saw that you've got something going on that looks really interesting to me. It's an event that's going to take place in April, the Mountain Bucks Scouting Camp. This is the second annual one. It's going to take place April 15th and April 16th in St. Mary's, PA. Tell us more about this. Yeah, so the scouting camp is basically where myself and I've gathered about half a dozen of the best big woods uh, buck hunters that I know in the Appalachian Mountain region to get together and teach a, a scouting camp where we get 25 to 30 guys in a room and we do some classroom, some basic stuff there. And then we go out in the field and are able to apply some of that knowledge and try to be able to help people build those foundations to be able to find whitetails in some of these big woods, mountainous areas on the East Coast that there's, you know, low deer densities and it's difficult to even find deer. So our goal with this is to be able to help people find deer and and figure out how to put a game plan together to be successful in these places. Now, this is taking place at a lodge. What lodge is it? And tell us more about the venue. Yeah, so the venue is called uh, the North Fork Lodge, and it's on 7,200 private acres of land. It's a giant chunk of, of land there. It's all big woods. There's a lot of a lot of history behind the lodge and the hunting and everything there. It's, it's an incredible place. But Kip Folks, who owns a Big Truck Farm Brewery and used to be a co-founder of Under Armour, he actually owns the lodge and property there and allows me to rent it out for this event. So it's at at a venue there, have food being cooked, have a chef coming in for all the the camp attendees there, and then be able to to walk around in the mountains and look at deer sign. Are the attendees going to be staying in the lodge? Are they bringing RVs or pitching tents or what? So there's two options there. For the general admission one, the attendees don't stay on site, but then there's also a VIP package where people will get a room, breakfast and dinner included, all that stuff right there at the lodge. And how much do these two packages cost? 
So the costs aren't completely finalized yet, but the general admission one is likely going to be about $575 with the VIP package coming in at $1,075. And this is a two-day seminar. Starts off at 8 a.m. on the 15th, goes until 4 p.m. on the 16th. Why don't you kind of run us through the schedule, if you don't mind? Yeah, so basically we start out from the very beginning with e-scouting and kind of how do you find a place to be able to hunt? A lot of the attendees, you know, last year and everything came from areas that were in the city and places and they're looking to get out and get away from people. And so trying to teach them where the blueprint of finding an area to hunt and then how to break down that area and put a game plan together. So when you go make a weekend scouting trip, you make it worthwhile So we go through those basics, and then we take them out in the field and show them that like, we'll actually go through and e-scout an area on the property, go out, take a look at it, see what kind of sign we're finding, show them that, and then come back again and in the classroom and go through trail camera strategies, how to set up in different situations, tree identification, have a forester there that helps people look at the food sources the deer are eating, the different trees and everything. So we go through, basically it's a back and forth between a classroom and then going out in the field and applying it. This sounds like a great investment. If you are a serious deer hunter or aspire to be, you know, going to the seminar for two days and really learning the, the value of scouting and how to do it, I mean, it can really change your entire career as a deer hunter and make you a lot more successful, can it? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I started this was I just, I like being around people that want to learn and want to do better. And I've actually went to different camps for elk hunting and other things myself. And I found so much value in it. That was why I got this idea together. And I, you know, brought other hunters that have been successful. You know, even my dad has been hunting for 45 plus years in this type of country and bringing all these different backgrounds of hunters together with different perspectives and how they do things and just letting other people be there to soak it in, ask questions, be a part of it. And I just think that it can't get better than in-person events with being able to learn that knowledge that you can apply for, you know, basically investing in your future when it comes to understanding the deer woods and hopefully be a help you to reduce that learning curve. Well, it sounds like a great event indeed. Registration opens up on the 11th, folks, and space is limited, so you want to hop on this. The website to go to for the 2023 Mountain Bucks Scouting Camp taking place in St. Mary's, PA, on April 15th and April 16th is very simple. Eastmeetswesthunt.com. That's Eastmeetswesthunt.com. Hunt.com, go to the events page, look for the Mountain Bucks Scouting Camp, and register on the 11th or shortly thereafter before this fills up, because I have no doubt it will fill up. Bo, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thanks, John. Now, if you're hunting the mountains and woods and meadows found in the eastern U.S. for white-tailed deer, you know that the 3030 caliber has been around a long time, but it still gets the job done. And you can find that caliber on a number of rifles made by Henry Repeating Arms. These are all lever-action rifles. They are all made in America, and you've got several choices. You've got the side-gate lever-action rifle, the steel lever-action rifle, all-weather lever-action rifle, the lever-action X model in 3030, or you can even go for the brass lever-action. And if you want a caliber besides 3030, check out the Long Ranger rifles. I own one in 6.5 Creedmoor. You can also get them in 308 Winchester. 
243 Winchester and 223. You know I've talked about my Long Ranger rifle before. I absolutely love it. And you're going to love your lever action rifle from Henry Repeating Arms too. They all come with a lifetime satisfaction guarantee. They're all rugged. They're all reliable. They shoot straight right out of the box. I found that out when I took mine to the range for the first time. And again, if you're going deer hunting, bring a Henry lever action rifle into the woods and get to work on bagging a nice buck. Check out the entire lineup of lever action rifles and shotguns, too, from Henry Repeating Arms at their website, henryusa.com. That's henryusa.com. And don't forget to ask for your free decals and catalog while you're there. I've gotten some questions from listeners about sportsman shows this year and where we're going to be exhibiting. And I'm happy to report that once again, we will be at the Washington Sportsman Show in Puyallup from February 1st through the 5th. And then we're going to be at the second biggest show in the entire nation. The first, of course, is the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, PA, we already told you about. But the second biggest is in Portland, Oregon. It's the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show. The dates for that would be February 11th through the 15th at the Expo Center in Portland. And we'll be doing some giveaways while we're there. Unfortunately, we won't be able to do the Henry Golden Boy giveaway this year because Oregon has passed a law which has made it impossible right now for anybody to purchase a firearm in the state. You have to have a permit to do so. You have to go through training to get that permit, and there's no system or funding set up to do this. Was this intentional by the politicians? Oh yes, absolutely. And somehow it got voted in by the masses. Hopefully the courts will come down on the side of the Second Amendment in the future there and we can get back to giving away some Henry Golden Boys during our exhibitions at sportsman shows. And on that note, we've got to go. But here's hoping you are blessed and healthy in the days ahead. And until next time, do remember this. It is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. (laughs) 